Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us here on our series, We the Church, really just looking at, as the church, what is core? What are the things that we need to hold on to? And then what are some of the things that we can let go of? And last week, what we saw, if you were just joining with us, is we saw that the Holy Spirit is the one who births the church. The Holy Spirit is the one who fills the room and fills people, and that's what church is. And today we want to pick up on where where we left off uh, last week, taking a look at how the church is not only people, but it's people gathered together. What I want to say really clearly right off the bat is that the church is people gathered together, and that gathering is actually essential. That gathering is actually core. We need to do that. And to explain what that looks like and what that means, I want to continue on in our story and in uh, the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Acts 2. I want to read where we were last week. This is where we were. We read this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Right? That was our phrase from last week. It filled the room. It filled the room. The Holy Spirit filled the room. And it says this, And then what appeared like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And there's something implicit in here that I didn't mention last week, but honestly, you can't miss it if you look for it. It's just this, that the Holy Spirit did not fill people as isolated individuals. Did he? Like, look at this. The Holy Spirit showed up and he filled the room when they were together. Right? So theologically, I think we could say this, that coming together matters. Amen? Right? Like coming together, journeying together, being together as a church, this matters. That when the Holy Spirit filled the room, and I hope you've been praying that like every day, that when the Holy Spirit filled the room, he filled it when the people were gathered together. And this idea of the gathering together is so important. We even see it more in the passage as it continues. So I want to pick up now what happens next. Peter begins to preach to a crowd. And I want to pick up on the end of Peter's sermon and then to see what happens right after that. So we read this. This is the end of Peter's sermon. He says this. So everyone in Israel, um, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words, he, they pierced their hearts. And they said to the other apostles, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I kind of love that part, because once you get going in preaching, you honestly just want to preach for a long time. Like, it's true. I just, I just think there's like, that's such a true thing for preachers. It's like, once you start, you're like, why bother stopping? Um, but, you know, sorry, I'm going to continue on. And he says this, uh, strongly urging for all of his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. And then listen to this. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. But 3,000 people were added to the church. 3,000 people came to know Jesus. This is a beautiful thing. This is an amazing thing. And then I want to discover how those 3,000 people started to become discipled. How those 3,000 people started to live and act as a church. And that happens in the very next verse. We read this. And all the believers, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. And here, we see really what the church looks like. We're going to go over some of these themes of the apostles' teaching, of even um, healing and miracles and all of that in the next few weeks. But it says this, A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's beautiful, right? 
That's what church looks like. This is the picture of church that we should have in our minds. That when we think about what church is, this is what we should be thinking of. But before we go further, I want to begin by even addressing a little bit of a doubt. Something that could be nagging in the back of your mind. That when we read of all the believers meeting together, of them selling their property and their possessions, of them gathering every day and sharing meals with great joy and generosity, sometimes I think our initial reaction, sometimes our initial reaction can be this, right? Doesn't that sound a little bit too good to be true? Because I don't know about you, but I would say for me, I have spent the majority of my life in church, actually. I've now been leading churches for almost, I, I don't know. 20 years? Almost. almost. 20 years? That sounds, wow. Wow, <laughs> well, so I guess, uh, yeah, for almost, for almost two decades now, I've been leading churches. Um, wow. So I, I guess I can say this part with a little bit of authority, and this sounds kind of funny as a pastor and as somebody who's been involved in church a lot, is that so often churches don't look anything like the picture that Luke is painting, right? Some of you are wanting to say amen for the first time in church. I get that, right? That sometimes, can we just be real with this? Church is messy. Church is hurtful. Church can even be sinful at times, right? But what I want us to do really clearly is I want this passage to center our view in church. I don't want our past experiences or even the failings of the church to capture our imaginations. What I want is this passage, is scripture, is what the Holy Spirit is doing in this moment to really settle in our hearts and to really drive us forward. Because here's what I believe. I believe that when Luke writes this, this is not fantasy, this is not utopia, this is actual history. Because I believe that when the Holy Spirit truly does fill the room, you know what happens? All of a sudden, people are changed. All of a sudden, new habits and new creations and new things start happening. I don't believe that this is a possibility. I believe that this can be an actuality, right? Because what do we read here? We read of a racially and ethnic diverse group of people gathering together, right? As Luke has already told us, there are people from every nation. And now they are sharing. Now they are uh, sharing their meals. They're sharing all that they have with one another. They're meeting their needs. They're praying together. This is what church looks like. And so as we're moving forward in this series, talking about we, the church, what does church look like? I want this passage to center our hearts. I want this passage to center our imaginations. This is what we are seeking for. This is what we are driving for. And this, as I said, is not only a possibility, it can be an actuality. That when the Holy Spirit so fills the room, all of a sudden you start to realize all that you have isn't just for you and you freely give it. That when the Holy Spirit truly starts to fill you and work within you, you start to actually have deeper connections with people all around you. This is what the church looks like. So I want to read it again. And I want to let this really guide us and shape us and drive us forward over the next few weeks. This is what church looks like. We read this, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And it says this, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Like, yes, of course, because wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Wouldn't you want to join into a community like that? And so what I think we realize here, too, if you just pay attention, is that all of this is happening together, right? That there is a relational context here. Then when it talks about them sharing meals, praying together, sharing the Lord's Supper, this is all happening in relationships with one another. This is why we here at Bethany, we talk about every single Christian needs to do three things. They need to daily be connecting up with Jesus. They need to be serving and sacrificing out in their community. But then we also need to be journeying with one another. That Christianity is not a kind of a solo sport. Christianity is not about us individually and isolated following Jesus. Christianity is about us following Jesus together. And I hope you can agree with that. I hope you're on board with that. But I think especially in modern day Christianity, that when it comes to gathering together, when it comes to actually journeying together, we have actually ended up 
let me put it this way, emphasizing the wrong part of gathering. Okay? I want to say that again, that in modern day Christianity, I really believe we have actually emphasized the wrong part of gathering. And I think we can see that actually even in this passage. That in this passage, there are both large gatherings and small gatherings of believers. Okay, I want to say that again. That in this passage, there are both large gatherings and small gatherings of believers. We see the large gathering pretty obviously because how many people came to know Jesus that day? Like 3,000. That is a large gathering, is it not? That's a huge gathering, right? Especially if you might even consider that there might be some people there who didn't accept Jesus. So it was even bigger than that, right? So large gatherings are fine. We also uh, read about it in the verse where it says, and that all the believers gathered together in one place, right? And if that includes all the 3,000 who were just saved, again, that's a fairly large gathering. So I want to say it really clearly is that the church and Christians should not be anti-large gathering, Okay. But let me just say this. The church also is not built on the large gathering. Okay? That's a nuanced statement, so I want to say it again. Okay? That the church should never be anti-large gathering, but the church is not built on large gatherings. It just isn't. Right? That when you then look at this passage, listen to how they actually then started to live their lives. Listen to how the discipleship happened. Listen to how the community was formed. This is what it says. It says, And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in needs. And let me ask you, just notice, where did they meet? It says this, they worshiped in the temple each day, right? And then they met in their homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. So where did they meet? Right? In their homes, sharing meals. Now, this is pretty obvious, but back then in those day and age, right, the homes that they had were not massively large places. There was communal spaces, but there wasn't always this huge, massive spaces. So let me just ask you a question. It's kind of a baseline. Think about your home, your apartment. How many people could you invite over to share a meal with? right? Like maybe like a few dozen if you're lucky, right? Maybe, right? That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about big, massive gatherings of hundreds and hundreds of people. We're talking about the daily rhythms of them gathering together in smaller groups, in homes, sharing meals, praying for one another, seeing a need of a fellow you know, church member, and then someone in that community, in that gathering, actually meeting that need. That's what we see in this. We see people functioning actually as a church in their homes. And I think this is really important for us to remember that's really important for us to see that for the early church, the primary place of following Jesus, follow with me, was communal, relational, shared space. That when it comes to following Jesus, the primary way they did it was in communal, relational, shared space. And what I mean by that is it wasn't in anonymous, you know, big or even online gatherings, clearly, right? They actually gathered in places where they were known, where they were noticed, where they could be loved, where they would actually be called to serve and challenged to meet needs, or where needs could be met. Right? That's how people followed Jesus in the early church, together in small groups, in small gatherings, in homes, following Jesus with one another. So what I want to say really clearly today is that my main point is just this. The church is meant to be done together. Amen? Church is meant to be done together. You cannot follow Jesus just all on your own. It's actually meant to be done together with other people. I think that's what we see in this passage of people gathering together, meeting together, sharing life with one another. Church is meant to happen together. And here's why I think that this matters for us so much, especially today. Because I believe that today, it is easier than ever to drift from the togetherness of church. Okay? It is easier than ever to drift from the togetherness of church. Because while it is true, it is simultaneously true that it is easier to connect with church than ever. Right? Because some of you are watching in your pajamas, like that wasn't happening before. Right? It is easier to connect with church than ever. It is also easier to drift from church than ever. It's easier to just maybe watch online, miss a few weeks, or to have no other connection. But let me just say this. Christianity is about following Jesus together. 
right? What did we learn last week? That the Holy Spirit fills people, right? People together, not isolated individuals. The Holy Spirit shows up and he fills people together. We are called to follow Jesus together. I think that's what we see in this passage. People following Jesus together. Let me read it to you again, uh, because again, I want this to center our minds. It says this, And all the believers met together in one place, and they sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. If you read this, what you start to notice is that they are gathering together regularly, daily even. Right? That's what we need. Have regular connections with other Christians. If you notice too, they aren't just gathering just randomly. No, they're gathering for the Lord's Supper. They're gathering for actual intentional, purposeful reasons. We need that too. And then when they gather, what are they doing? They're sharing life together. They're sharing meals. They're sharing prayer requests. They're sharing needs. What we see is the early church gathering regularly, intentionally, and sharing life. That's what church is. That's what it looks like. That's what it means to follow Jesus together. And I think we need this. I think we need this especially now. Because I don't mean to be a bit of a downer, um, but in some ways this might be for some of you, okay? I hope that the government begins to open up some of the restrictions on the numbers of gatherings, okay? I hope that we can go to 10 people. I think that would be great, right? But I want to say as clearly as I can is I don't think the large weekend service gatherings that we were used to are coming back anytime soon. I just don't believe they're coming back anytime soon. I believe that we're going to continue to hopefully move forward with things, but they'll be opening up restrictions to you know, 10, 25, 50. I don't believe that the large gatherings are going to be coming back anytime soon. But here's why that doesn't worry me. Here's why that doesn't cause me fear or anxiety. Because you want to know what? Church has never been built on the large gatherings. Church has been built on people gathering together in homes, sharing life, sharing Jesus, and meeting needs together. And that can still happen today. That is still happening today. What I believe that matters most of all is that as we look forward in the short term, right, as we look forward to what does regathering look like? Do you want to know what I think regathering looks like for Bethany Community Church in the short term? I think and hopefully it looks like the early church of us gathering together in our home churches, in our homes, with other small, you know, gatherings of people to follow Jesus together. This is what it looks like. Because while, for sure, our large gatherings are no longer happening, and I believe that probably is likely for the future, what isn't stopping is us gathering together as Christians. And we do this online, we do this safely, and we do this doing following all the right, obviously, restrictions and procedures and all of that. But what I want to say really clearly is that church is meant to be together, and that happens, and it needs to happen in our lives, in your life, and in mine. So today I have a question for you. Especially as we come to summer, and especially as the season continues on that we are in, I have a question for you, it's this one. Just who are you journeying with? Who are you doing church together with? Who's kind of in your circle that you're meeting intentionally, you're meeting regularly, and you're sharing life together, just like the people in this passage that we read? For many of you, the easy answer is, of course, if you're in a home church, you say, those are my people, and that's a beautiful thing. But if today you don't know, you know, you can't instantly answer that, what I want to challenge you is to have those people that you are journeying with. And a great next step is if you're part of our church, to join a home church. Right? To join a small gathering of Christians to actually follow Jesus intentionally together. And you might be saying to yourself, though, but I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt in small groups. I've had a bad experience. And that can definitely happen. Absolutely. But what I want to say as clearly as I can to that is just this. Okay? That a bad experience of community does not erase our need for community. Right? That even a bad experience of church does not erase our need of church. And church is meant to be done together. So what I want to encourage you with is to actually do church together. There is no home church that is perfect. Not even mine, because I'm a part of it, okay? 
There are no churches that are perfect. What this is meant to do for us is something that we are striving towards, something that we are journeying together with. So today, what I want to encourage you is just this. Here's my challenge for this week, okay? Would you be the church with other Christians this week? Would you gather together safely online, do all of that? That stuff matters. Putting people at risk is anti-loving and is not actually Christian in any way, right? So would you gather together, though, safely and be the church together? Because church is meant to be done together. It's meant to happen with one another. It's meant to be a journey that we partake together. So today, that's my challenge for each and every one of us. My main point is that church is done together. And then my challenge is to actually make that happen this week. To actually act like the early church in Acts. So to close, I want to read to you the passage again. And to just let this center in your mind, in your heart, in your imagination. This is what we're striving for. This is how community is supposed to look like. This is what we're supposed to be creating, uh, actually, along with the Holy Spirit when He fills the room. And we read this. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. And this, this only happens together. So this week, may you follow Jesus together. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray would you continue to give us the courage to continue to not neglect actually the, the following of Jesus together. I pray, God, Holy Spirit, would you just fill the room? Would you fill us so that we might actually follow with you well? I pray, God, in our home churches and our other gatherings that we are having, I pray, would the Holy Spirit be there in such a strong way that you encourage us to live this out what we are reading, that we would share and meet needs and share life with one another. I pray, God, would you encourage us to take that next step if we're not a part of an actual smaller gathering of Christians, because this is needed in our lives and in our world. And I pray, would you lead us in all things? I ask this all in your name. Amen and amen. Grace and peace, everyone. See you all next week. Bye-bye.